0: We're going to continue our look at uh, the first 11 chapters of Genesis, and uh, this week we're taking a look at uh, chapter 11, verses 1 through 9, and um, this is a familiar story. Um, It's the story that we often refer to as the Tower of Babel. Does that sound familiar to anybody here? Yes? Raise your hand if you've heard that story before, right? Um, And... um, it's a story we hear in Vacation Bible School all the time. And so, so how is the story generally told? Do you, do you remember? Like, like we're often told, right, that, uh, that people, people have one language and one word, right? Now I've done an informal survey, and when I ask people, so what language did Noah and the first human speak? You know what 90% of people think? English. Seriously, 90% of people will say, well, well, they spell English, of course, right? Hmm, well, we could have some problems right there if that's how we read the story. Um, but um, uh, we, we often read the story as, well, uh, these human beings, they, they were awful prideful. They were, they were trying to build this tower to get to God. They were doing something really sinful in, re, in rebellion to God. And, and, of course, we often think God get God." Mad, right? God got mad. And so then God uh, punishes them by causing people to, to speak different languages and to be scattered throughout the earth. Well, as you might suspect, I, I just want to challenge if that's truly what this story is about. And so I want to invite us to hear these words from Genesis chapter 11, 1 through 9. Beginning in verse one, it says, All people on the earth had one language and the same words. When they traveled east, they found a valley in the land of Shinar, and they settled there. They said to each other, Come, let's make bricks and bake them hard. They used bricks for stones and asphalt for mortar. And they said, Come, let us build for ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the sky and let us make a name for ourselves so that we won't be dispersed over all the earth. Then the Lord came down to see the city and the tower that the humans built. And the Lord said, there is now one people and they all have one language. And this is what they have begun to do. And now all that they plan to do will be possible for them. Come, let's go down, mix up their language there, so they, won't, so they won't understand each other's language. Then the Lord dispersed them from there over all the earth, and they stopped building the city. Therefore, it is named Babel, because there the Lord mixed up the language of all the earth, and from there the Lord dispersed them all over the earth. Everyone with ears to hear. May we hear the word of God this day, afresh and anew. Now, you know, when I read that story, I, I get how we can hear it in the way that I suggested. That's the way that I was taught the story. And in fact, growing up in rural Missouri, we had another in rural southeast Missouri. We put another twist onto this story. See, we saw this story as proof that God did not like cities, that we were all supposed to live in the country and, and, and that those city folks were um, uh, um, they were heathens and pagans um, now, now maybe y'all, I don't know, maybe Northwest Missouri didn't teach it that way. Maybe that's just a Southeast Missouri um, um, take on that story. Um, but sometimes we read into the story things that, that may not be there. But I want to suggest that, um, especially if we look at the context of where this story is, I've always found this story to be interesting because if you look at chapter 10, and I know all of you read chapter 10 because it's a genealogy, and we love genealogies, right, with all the names. Um, But uh, if you read chapter 10, it gives a genealogy of Noah's sons, of of Shem and Jephath and Ham. And and it gives this this description of their sons, and and actually, unlike some genealogies, it describes them in terms of of the nations that they belong to. In in other words, and in chapter 10, there's this phrase that's repeated um, over and over, and it says something like, um, uh, these are the descendants of, uh, uh, of so-and-so according to their tribe, their nation, and their languages. And I've always found it interesting that in chapter 10, we're talking about um, uh, how diverse the world has become with different languages and different nations. And then in chapter 11, we go back to saying there's one language and one word. And so um, I find that interesting. Because often we tell the story as if uh, God uh, never desired there to be diversity, that God wanted there to be uniformity, that God desired that everybody would kind of be the same and speak the same language. But I'm not sure that that's the case. And so I just want to suggest that if we take a closer look at this, we'll see that the story is really divided into three sections. There's, a chap- there's verses 1 through 4 um, where we-, we hear about human intentions. And then in chapter five is like the turning point where God comes down, which I always find interesting because I didn't think God really needed to come down to see what was going on. I think that's for effect more than anything else. But the point is God takes a closer look at what's going on. And then in five through nine, we get this, uh, this passage that we've often read as punishment, but I'm not sure that's what it is. And, and so if we think about verses one through four, um, there, there is no mention that the, that the humans are rebelling or sinning. You know, like in chapter 6, um, we're told God looked down and he saw nothing but evil and corruptness everywhere. We don't hear that here. Uh, we just hear that, that these people have gathered together, that they have decided to build this city and this tower, and we're giving, um, when it comes to their um, intentions or the reason that they're doing it, we're given the reason. It says that they feared being scattered. So the reason, often we read the story and we think, well, they built the tower because they wanted to be famous. Or they built the tower because they wanted to get up to the heavens and they wanted to enter God's domain and and they were going to challenge his sovereignty. That's often how we read the story. That's how we're taught the story. In fact, um, when um, Don was looking for lessons for Sunday school today, many of the Sunday school lessons, that's what they were, that's what they taught. And yet the story doesn't say, the story says they were building the city because they had this fear of being scattered. They had this fear of the unknown, I think. And I don't know that, uh, it doesn't seem to me like they're in total rebellion to God. I mean, it seems like they're just doing what our human inclination and tendency is, isn't it? Our tendency is that, that we like to gather with people who look like us and, and speak like us. We like to gather with people who, that we, who we can communicate with, who we can uh, have a joint purpose with, uh, and we like to uh, build and, and settle ourselves, at least most people do, um, and um, not have to worry about being pushed out or scattered into the world. That's our human tendency, I think. And I don't know that there's anything sinful or rebellious about that. And yet, as we read the story, it says God came down and God took a closer look at what they were doing. Took a closer look at this community of people and what they were up to and all about. And God makes this assessment. Um, and, and I've always found it interesting because it, it basically says, well, God looked at it and said, well, if we don't do something, uh, and, and how it's been, uh, how I've often heard the story is, well, if, if, if we don't do something, If we don't do something, these human beings, they're going to be able to accomplish anything that they want to accomplish. And and it almost sounds like God's afraid of humanity. Now, I, I read the rest of Scripture, and it's really clear that God's not afraid of us. Right? So that can't be a right reading of the story. Uh, God is not afraid of us. And, and in fact, if you look at it in the Hebrew, it, it, it sounds as if really all God may be saying is that if he doesn't intervene, they're going, to, um, they're going to move toward this intention to which they're moving toward. And apparently, God doesn't think that that's a good intention for them to move toward. And, you know, I got to scratch my head, and, and I admit I'm just speculating because it, 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 doesn't, it doesn't say in the Scripture exactly. But, but I, I wonder if, as God looked down on him, he's worrying and he's like, man, they're developing this fortress mentality. They're developing this mentality where they want to protect themselves and build walls to uh, keep like-minded people together and to keep people who are different out. May, maybe that's what God is thinking. Maybe God's looking and he's saying, um, um, th- th- these people, they, they are uh, afraid of the unknown. They're afraid to go into the unknown. Maybe God is worried that as he looks down at humanity, uh, uh, that uh, if we continue down that path, uh, that we might begin to participate in some oppressive uniformity. In other words, we we try to force and make everybody look like us and and agree with everything that we agree with. Maybe God is worried that if he doesn't intervene, that these people will get this idea that they are exceptional and they'll embrace this ideal of uh, exceptionalism, that they can do everything without God. I mean, I don't know. It doesn't say. But what it does say is that God looks down at them, and in essence, he says, he says that they have this wonderful ability to work together, and this is what they choose to do. This is what they choose to do. Whatever it was, and for whatever reason, it didn't seem to be in line with God's intention." And what God desired for humanity. And so I I think as I read 5 through 9, the more I read this story over and over again, uh, I'm not so sure. uh, Certainly, I don't get the essence that God is bad. I may get the uh, idea that he's disappointed, like you might be disappointed with your child. You give them all these benefits. and, and, And then you say, this is what they decide to do with the freedom they've been given. Um, and uh, so they might be, a little dis- he might be a little disappointed, and so I begin to read 5 through 9. Maybe it's not punishment or discipline. Maybe what God is doing is he's speeding up the process he had intended in the first place. In other words, when God gives them a different language to disrupt what they're doing and He disperses them, maybe that's God's way of communicating His intentions. You mean God embraces diversity? And God wants people to be scattered throughout the world? If we look at all of Scripture, I I think we we see that. We see this talk about unity uh, in Scripture, but when Paul uses it in talking about the body and how we are united as one body, he talks about it as we are united as one body with diverse abilities and skills and calling. It seems to me very clear that from the beginning when God created the world and he created humanity that he intended for us to be diverse, for us not to be uniform. He intended for us to go forth into the world not just to congregate uh, uh, with this fortress mentality of protecting ourselves, uh, of wanting to, to be settled in everything and never having to risk or to step out into the unknown. Now that's a different way of hearing the story, isn't it? And I could be, you know, I could be all wet and all wrong. But maybe the way that I was taught it in Vacation Bible School is the way we ought to hear it. But I I don't think so. I think hearing it in this way is just as legitimate as hearing it in that way. And in fact, if I think about that story, you, you, you know, uh, God wants us to have unity, but he doesn't want us to have unity in a way in which we have uniformity, in a way in which we um, have a forceful dominion over everyone, but he wants, un- he, he wants unity in the midst of diversity. And, and I can't help but wonder, as I, as I read this story again, and maybe it's because uh, I'm reading it at the end of the, uh, of the COVID pandemic, but as I read the story and I listen to it, and I think about things I've heard from other pastors in our community and throughout the world, even within the Methodist Church, and, and I've listened to pastors, and, and, and the biggest concern of many pastors in the midst of COVID has been, uh, we can't gather. We can't gather. Folks, the least of my concerns in the church is our inability to gather. The least of my concerns is that the church won't gather. My biggest concern is that the church will be unwilling to scatter. You see, we gather not just to gather and have this fortress mentality, not just to uh, become uniform people, not just to protect ourselves and keep. We gather so that we are inspired and empowered to scatter and to go into the world. My fear is that the church is too comfortable and settled with gathering And in the midst of uh, of COVID, we have been challenged to see ourselves differently. My biggest fear is that the church of Jesus Christ was unwilling to scatter and to go into the world and to meet people of diverse cultures and people who look different than us and to share the love and the joy and the grace of Jesus that we have experienced. My fear is that we as we begin to gather together will celebrate the gathering so much that we think it's the end point. It is not. We are a sent people. That's one of the reasons I love the United Methodist Church, one of the reasons I love the way that we do things. We are a sent people. I am not called to gather with a community. I am sent to a community to lead a congregation, to minister to all of the community. We are a Synth people. God's intention from the beginning was that his people would go forth and would bless others. Next week, uh, we're going to take a look at the story of Abraham, and we'll see that even more if the choir wants to come forward. But let us hear this story today in a new way. Let us ask ourselves, Are we participating in intentions that are purely our own? Or are we embracing the intentions of God? Are we willing? Are we willing to embrace and to go into diverse cultures? Are we willing to go wherever God might lead us? Amen.